This episode is brought to you by ProMensal. What I say is when you're having those really strong menopausal symptoms, you know, the mood swings, the insomnia and, you know, the brain fog, please talk to someone. I want women to know they can get help. You do not have to suffer in silence. And the more we talk about this and the more people learn about it, the more we're going to to feel better about ourselves. Welcome to Thriving in Menopause. I'm Andrea Duval, editor of Prevention Magazine. If you sometimes feel like you're not the same person you used to be, you're not alone. It's all part of this strange cascade of hormones happening in our brains. That's why we need to understand what happens to our minds during menopause. Feeling sad, tearful, hopeless, empty, and other times so enraged you could burn the house down, well, it's not at all unusual. So today, I'm talking with psychologist Dr. Emanuela Murray to find out more and to get her to share some useful tips and advice. Emanuela, look, it seems crazy that as women we know so much about our biology and yet we know precious little about the effects that hormones have on our brain. Can you share a few common things that women feel? during menopause? So look, I mean, with menopause, anything to do with the brain and body, it has to do with those massive changes in our hormones. And I think we all know the biggest culprits, right? We're losing our estrogen and our progesterone, and that causes all the damage. With women, they experience, you know, hot flushes, night sweats, then, you know, they're having difficulty sleeping. And then we've got some may actually experience that relentless insomnia, right? So they're not getting any sleep. They're buggered. And then they've got their lowered sex drive. And then, they're blessed with these fluctuating moods. And what I hear from women is that they can sometimes experience like a a depressed mood, so a lowered mood. They have an increase in irritability, like they're about to snap their partner's head off or perhaps their kids. And I'm also hearing that they're feeling quite overwhelmed and anxious, as well as a bit of that brain fog as well, which is, you know, the forgetfulness, the cloudy thinking and, and difficulty concentrating. And I'm saying this because a lot of women find it really hard when they experience these symptoms and they don't know what's going on and it can be quite scary. Exactly. Nobody actually gives you a manual beforehand. No. And usually these things can happen before you start to notice maybe the changes in your periods. Right. So you think it's you. You're not aware that there's actually this crazy monster that's taking mm. over your brain mm. and they it, it shall pass and you can actually return to normal Absolutely. And actually, Andrea, that's a really good point. In fact, young women that I see, I'm always saying, have you found a good GP? Find a goodie, someone you can talk to. And women in their 30s, mid-30s, I always encourage, of course. The reason for this is I think we need to start documenting. We've all got a menstrual story, right? So when we go to our GP, we just need to let them know this is what we're experiencing. So then we can discover some of the changes. When we notice the changes, we can go back and say, hey, this is what's happening. And then we can discover what's happening. And it's kind of a little bit liberating then, isn't it? Because we may have in the past said, oh, okay, you know, I've got my period. When you discover what's happening and you discover that you're going through menopause, you can say, oh, it's not me, it's menopause. That's so true. I mean, it's interesting that more than a century ago, women who were having these kind of emotional shifts were described as, and I love this, experiencing fully developed insanity. Thank you very much. Mm. And so it's the idea that we might understand there's a link between our hormones and our moods intellectually but when it's actually happening how how do I identify that it's not me Mm -mm. it's chemical 
We can all think of a time we were kind of out of sorts, right, where we might have snapped our partner's head off or we might have overreacted and then a couple of days later, you then get your period. So everyone can remember a time like this, right? Why I'm using this as an example is because a lot of women that go through menopause say to me, it's like I'm on my period again without my period, but it's like my period on steroids, right? And then you've got your hot flushes, you're not sleeping and you feel so overwhelmed. So if you're feeling like that all the time, it's your hormones, ladies. It's likely to be menopause. And that's why it's so important you go to your GP. But a really important point is some women breeze through these symptoms. Okay, so that's where it gets a little bit more complicated. But actually, Associate Professor John Eden, he's a gynecologist and a reproductive endocrinologist, says there's there's actually no family link. So if your mum breezes through it, doesn't mean you will. Oh, that's interesting. Isn't it? And so that's why I think it's so important we document, talk to to your GP, talk about this with your GP, find a goodie so then when the changes happen, we can discover what's happening. Okay, Emanuela, you are the psychologist, mm. so you are going to share with us some coping strategies. Let's start with the crazy rage that comes upon us. Maybe it's somebody pushing the, I know for me, it was once pushing, um, walking through the supermarket, the woman in front of me was pushing her trolley too slowly. Mm. My response to that was almost hysterical. But I, I tell you what, a lot of women can relate to that though. So I guess I just want to say to the ladies, let's normalise right now. It's the drop in oestrogen. That plays a major role because it actually makes it really hard for you to control your emotions. So I think being able to say, yep, I know what's happening here. All right. And you know what? Fair enough. You know, as I mean... You know, some women might be going out and treating themselves. They can't get their treat. They're burning up. They're not getting enough sleep. So, of course, they're going to be really pissed off that, you know, things aren't going their way. Why not, I say? And I want them to say, you know, it's not me. It's menopause. And I suppose that's something that I can take when I'm out there in the world Mm. and it happens. Maybe Mm. it's, you know, being cut off in traffic. But what happens when it's at home and it's Mm. you losing it, as you say, with Mm. your partner or maybe Mm. your kids? What are some of the um, coping strategies that you can suggest for us so that we become nicer to our families and nice to ourselves? But again, like, first of all, it's education with our partner, isn't it? The more they understand what you're going through, the more they'll be able to give you empathy when you're having those moments. So when you're having those moments, yes, there's lots of skills we can teach, you know, stress and anxiety management strategies if you're experiencing anxiety. And we know a lot of women do experience anxiety. So you want to engage with those. But I think the big one is letting people know what's happening. So with your partner, it's educating them. And I actually think you probably should buy a copy of Dr. Ginny Mansberg's book, The M Word, and you place it on the table for your partner, whoever's there, and go, hun, can you have a bit of a read? This is what I'm going through. So then when you have your off moment or your crabby mood, you might go, sorry, crappy mood, you know, I haven't slept in months, yeah? And then the empathy comes flowing back, oh, yeah, 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 okay, yeah. And it's easier for them to understand and then they don't take the crappy mood so personally. Interesting. So it's about having an open dialogue with your partner, Absolutely. which, you know, in an ideal world is great. But, mm. you know, our partner's going through his own set of frustrations mm. at us for multiple reasons mm. when maybe not as you know um, horny as we used to be he's not getting it as often so he's a little bit angry with us Mm. at the same time so there's a a, Mm. an interesting dynamic new dynamic in the relationship 
that, that's true. And I think, but the key with relationships, no matter what, is communication, which leads to intimacy, whether it be emotional or physical. So if you're able to communicate with your partner, and I tell you what, the biggest skill that I teach couples, we all talk about empathy. We all say, oh, we're empathic, but a lot of people don't know how to show it. So empathy is imagining what it's like for the other person. You do not have to agree with them. You don't have to agree with their point of view. In fact, you're not meant to. You're meant to be listening and not forming a rebuttal, not trying to persuade them to your point of view. You just have your listening ear on. And if your partner's listening and going, so, you know, when you're... um, you know, in the middle of winter and you kind of go, oh, hun, um, can you put the fan on? And he goes, oh, it's cold. And you go, shh, shh, hot flush. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll only need the fan for 15 minutes. There you go. You get the beautiful empathy. He understands where you're coming from. Yeah? Okay. So it's about communicating with your partner. Emanuela, there are many relationships that aren't perfect. And in some relationships, it's quite, your partner's not somebody who you can speak to on that kind of level. Mm. What do you suggest in that kind of situation? And this is very common. And I see a lot of couples. And I have to say, one thing that can be really good is just to say, look, I'm really worried about us. I'm not sure what's happening. I think we need to go and see someone. So, and that's when you might book in to see a therapist that works with couples, because I can assure you as a a therapist that also works with couples, you know, you can make changes fairly quickly and, and depending on where the relationship's at. But if they learn some skills to be able to communicate, it's amazing how people can take their relationship onto the next step. Yeah, it doesn't always happen, but at least if you're committing to go and see someone, there is a commitment that you want to make things better and then you can at least make a decision together, a considered decision, during that time whether you want to stay or leave. Emanuela, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about um, the anxiety that Mm. tends to creep into our lives during Mm. menopause. Yeah. Look, I think a lot of women um, will report feeling really overwhelmed. With anxiety, I must admit, I'm starting to hear women starting to obsess. And I mean, obsessions are a little bit different. They're very intrusive. They're persistent and they're distressing. And they're worrying about things they've never worried about before. It might be their health. It might be, you know, being home alone. Yeah. So, And they've never worried about these things before. With anxiety, if you think about it, it's overestimating the likelihood of bad things happening, so the worst case scenario, and the consequences. And I find women are tending to attach to more of that what-if thinking, yeah? So that type of unhelpful way of thinking that our brain saves time and energy to when we attach to that. And then they're overanalyzing and they're ruminating. So we know rumination is like problem-solving gone wrong. And they're doing that at night, which then of course, you know, impacts their sleep. So I guess once you start noticing these types of symptoms and they're kind of interfering in your life, that's the time to to go to your GP and talk to them. Because, you you know, if you're experiencing all of these menopausal symptoms too, it's a really big likelihood that you might maybe need some HRT or an antidepressant, or you might be, it might be possible that you're referred to a clinical psychologist like myself. I'd be really interested if you could share with us some Mm. tips and strategies for being a little bit more sane at this tricky time in our lives. One strategy is to firstly learn how to lower your arousal. So that's with some nice deep breathing. And we do that because generally during that time, the fight, flight, 
system is activated. So that's the stress response. So through through menopause and perimenopause, you're saying that fight or flight responses. It's like being tuned to a high C. Yeah, that's right. Well, it's no different. I mean, it's just whether you're feeling stressed, whether you're feeling a bit anxious, that's right. And what happens is we have to calm down the body, otherwise we can't think clearly, right? And we're already having issues with thinking a bit clearly. One way of doing that is to engage in some diaphragmic breathing. And there are heaps of exercises out there. You can even Google them these days. But really it is. When you breathe in, you blow your stomach out. When you breathe out, let it deflate. And really watch that you're allowing your stomach to rise and not your chest. Because what happens is we sometimes just breathe a little bit quicker. Yeah. It's all that holding your shoulders up and... (laughs) Well, that's right. And that's another point. So what you can do with your breathing, once you learn that little strategy, you can then apply it when you're sitting at the desk and you can feel this tension in your shoulders. When you breathe in, you raise your shoulders. When you breathe out, you let it... Um, let them go down. So you're noticing the difference between when you're more relaxed and when you're tense and you can't be both. So if you notice the tension, this is what we call a more um, a progressive muscle relaxation, which you can actually access that um, on many sites as well. So which is really good. So that's one way we have to calm down the body first. And I have to say, if you are feeling really overwhelmed in a situation, you're at the shops, you're, you know, in the middle of talking with your partner I want you to just say or go home from the shops, go into the car and take a few deep breaths, calm yourself down and you can always go back in. And with your partner, I want you to sit there, do your breathing or just say, look, I can't talk about this right now. I just need to go and calm down. And you calm yourself down and then you can come back and revisit. So I want you to be kind to yourselves. Allow yourself time to be able to sit with that emotion and to to have some control over being able to manage it. I think it's interesting you talk about time because Mm. this is one of the real triggers for women. We're in the middle of the busiest time of our life. We're juggling Mm. kids, we're juggling Mm. partner, we're juggling a job, Mm. we might have ageing parents. There's no time for us in the middle of this. Mm. And when you talk about that sort of grace of Mm. finding space to calm down, this is not an option. This mm. is actually an essential, this is like taking your vitamin pill every day. Sure Don't is. Don't you think that women, it's not just that you deserve it, but you need to find that 10, 15-minute window of course. self-care every day. Absolutely. And I know sometimes women go, oh, God, she's going to mention self-care again. And, of course, I'm going to bang on about self-care because, you know what, you're no good to your kids. You're no good to your parents if you're going through the sandwich phase too, you know, throw all, throw all of that in. You're no good to anyone unless you look after yourself first. So I always say to women, self first, then a chore. Then do some relaxation, whatever you choose. It could be reading a book. It could be listening to a podcast. It could be doing your breathing. It could be, I don't know, go on your Instagram if you want to. Whatever it is, you choose it and you do it. And then you need some pleasure. You need something. Go and connect with your friends, even if you don't feel like it. Whatever you find is pleasurable. We want a little bit of pleasure. We want a little bit of feeling like we're having a sense of achievement and mastering. And sometimes that's just getting chores done when you're going through your hot flushes. (laughs) That's so interesting. I heard it described once as when you're on a plane and they say to you, you know, if the um, oxygen mask come down, you put it on yourself first. So you're sort of describing a very similar thing. Right. And it's, and it's about that, that little moment of whatever makes you happy. Absolutely. And there's no judgment and you've got to not judge yourself and not feel guilty because, again, ditch the guilt and say to yourself that you're no good to anyone else 
in your life if you're not looking after yourself. And this is the time where you need to look after yourself. Yeah. And what you do now, you are modelling to your daughters and your sons how to take care of themselves. Interesting. That's how they learn. <laughs> so true. Mm. Perimenopause can actually start in your 40s. Declining oestrogen production during perimenopause brings on changes to menstrual cycles and often the onset of hot flushes, night sweats, mood swings and sexual problems. Promensal Peri is specifically designed for perimenopausal women and can help relieve these common menopausal symptoms. Promensal Peri is available at leading pharmacies across Australia and offers a cost-effective treatment at under $1 a day. When things start to change, try Promensal Peri. Always read the label and follow the directions for use. Okay, there's another aspect of menopause we need to talk about, mm. and that's our sense of identity. So the very fact of menopause means that you can no longer reproduce. Mm. So you're no longer capable of having babies, and we live in a society that places enormous value on women's appearance. Um, maybe you've put on weight, maybe you feel invisible in your relationship, and you're certainly aware when you walk down the street that um, men aren't looking at you in the way that perhaps they once did. So all of this causes you to maybe challenge your sense of who you are. What can we do at this point? point about our self-image? Well, I think you've beautifully put that. You know, you've explained a lot of what women experience, that's for sure. And I think what we're talking about is, is self-worth. So how we see ourselves is how we respond to people and life circumstances and how we feel about life and ourselves most of the time or how we feel most of the time. So I understand and I can I give so much empathy for women for how they might be feeling. But if we measure our self-worth against one criterion, so it might be oh, um, our fertility or it might be being a mother or, um, you know, our weight, shape and, and appearance, then once something happens there, our self-worth depletes, doesn't it? It takes a huge hit. So I want women to know that their sense of self or their self-worth is in their humanness and leading by their values. So their humanness is warts and all, ladies, warts and all, and leading by their values. And what I mean by that is that values help us regain purpose. And without purpose, self-worth depletes. Yep. So I often encourage women to find more purpose in their life, to give themselves meaning. And I also try and help them to be appreciative of their qualities. So a little strategy I use sometimes with people, and believe it or not, this works. I've got heaps of people in my life that use this as well as people I work with. I say self-serve and bank. So what I mean by that is we're very good at magnifying, you know, our, the things that we don't like about ourselves. Um, so we really want to be tilting towards our qualities and accepting what we can't change, right? Warts and all. So the next time someone says, oh, gosh, thank you so much for listening to me. You were so thoughtful. I want you to bank it. The next time you get through your hot flush and you're juggling so many other things, I want you to go, ah, got through that one. Bank it. Yeah, because we need to build up this account because you're going to need to withdraw it, withdraw from it when you need it. And we will need it. And I think you know, there's so much upheaval going on in life. And I have to tell you, when men 
and women are unhappy in their lives, and this is a time where people feel unhappy, right? Women are going to feel unhappy, they're going to feel sad, or they're dissatisfied. What can happen is they look for what can they change in their life because they think that's a solution. So they might ditch their job or they might ditch their relationship. And I have to say, this is actually really important because I find this a lot, is that it's actually during menopause, it's a really common time for women to want to separate from their partners. And I think some of the times it's because, you know, the kids have moved out. And they look across the room and they're looking at their partner going, oh, no, oh, my goodness, oh, it's just you and I now until retirement. And, and they're going, I don't know. So what I say is when you're having those really strong menopausal symptoms, you know, the mood swings, the insomnia and, you know, the brain fog, please don't make any life decisions like that. Please talk to someone. I want women to know they can get help. You do not have to suffer in silence. And the more we talk about this and the more people learn about it, remember knowledge is power, the more we're going to, to feel better about ourselves. Emanuela, we, let's talk about exercise. Oh, I love exercise. <laughs> well, yes, clearly you're a gym junkie. <laughs> I, I am. I am. But I choose the gym. You know, I love strength training. I love building some muscle. It makes me feel good. I feel good about myself. But so for a lot of women, I mm. think they find the focus on exercise often is to do with weight loss. Mm. And it is a form of punishment. It doesn't have mm. that element of pleasure. But let's talk about what the research says about what it can do for our mental state. Well, I mean, it improves mood because it in, um, increases serotonin and endorphins in the brain. They're the happy so, hormones. Yeah, that's right. So it can improve mood. But we also know that if we're getting active, we're um, building momentum and it can increase motivation. You know, it gives us an outlet to socialise. It can give us a sense of achievement. So there's so much there that can also improve mood. So it's so important that women particularly find what they like. So, you know, for me, it might be strength training. Yeah. But for someone else, it might be going for a walk as long as you get your heart rate up, you know, and you're a little bit breathless, then we're, we're doing something really good there. Um, or it could be, um, I don't know, it might be swimming. Yoga class it could or... be a yoga class. You're right. It could be anything as long as we're getting active. And I do think there is some worth with including it. I mean, some people are more mornings people or afternoon people. That's fine. Fit it into whatever schedule as long as you can do it. And try not to give in to your permission-giving thoughts, which are, oh, it's raining, oh, you know, or I'm feeling too tired. Remember, you're feeling buggered. It's not likely to just go away. So you're likely to give yourself that excuse, and that's called self-sabotage. So you might as well do it and then feel good and get the benefits. One of the things about exercise is to make it a habit rather than a choice. My little um, technique is that I always set out my gear the night before Great. so that when I get up in the morning, I don't have to go, oh, what am I going to wear today? Yeah. And oh, well, you don't have to shoes. think about it, do you? Exactly. Yeah. And, and I'm already mentally halfway out the door because mm. it's there in front of me. It's in that situation, the active choice then is about not doing it because the easy choice is mm. to go ahead and do it. So right. there are simple ways in which we can make these habits form easily. But just what you said there is the more we can eliminate the decision making in the morning, the more likely we know what we're doing, we're planned, we do no matter what, because being behaviourally active is better than not at all. And then you build momentum and you increase motivation. What are the four most important things that you think women should do that can lead them back to their happy place? Oh gosh, 
I want you to accept and own it. It's normal and necessary. We've got to be open about it and we're not to feel embarrassed about this. Please get help and speak up. Too many people suffer in silence. We've talked about finding a good GP, but I'm going to tell you a word of warning, and I hear this with women a lot, is sometimes they might go to their GP and they're reluctant to prescribe the HRT or antidepressants. And I say, go and get another opinion and get another if you have to, and you may even have to go to a gynecologist. Please do not suffer in silence. The third one is find your woman. Now, this sounds interesting, doesn't it? Remember, some women breeze through this. Some women struggle. You need to go, if you're struggling through this and you're getting all these symptoms, you've got to find the woman that has struggled or is struggling because they're going to give you loads more empathy, yeah? And we're very thankful to those women that breeze through it. That's their good fortune, okay? And the last one, again, be kind to self, like I said first, self first, then a chore. Don't forget some exercise. Yeah, exercise is really good for mood. Relaxation and, again, spending time with friends even when you don't feel like it. Emanuela, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Andrea. If you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe to our podcast. Our podcast was produced by Lisa Gebelagen for Prevention Australia. For more information, you can visit our website, preventionaus.com.au. That's preventionaus.com.au. See you next time.